Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Leah Tebbit is meeting retired doctor turned olive grower Peter Crowlinston. Peter's olive grove rests on the banks of the Kirikiri River, and it's here he's adding to research about the health benefits of olive oil. I'm greeted by two lovely border collies when I arrive at Peter Crowlinston's Pukiri olive grove, just outside of Kirikiri. It's an overcast day, so we waste no time being outside while it's still dry. Going into the olive grove, so... It's very small, we've only got about 180 trees. So we planted the trees on the right, we planted in um, 2011. And the ones on the left, uh, this was all macadamia nut trees. So I eventually got rid of all of them and planted these olive trees here um, in 2015. So they're younger and they're not doing as well. They're not that vigorous and I think the macadamia nut trees sucked all the nutrients out of the soil. The macadamia roots, they keep shooting up even eight, nine years later, we still get new macadamias shooting up through the ground that I have to cut out. No, so the roots are still alive and I think still sapping the nutrients from the soil. So these trees are not as vigorous as they should be, but I keep working on the soil. I think we'll get there eventually. But um, the first one there is, is looking, you can see the difference. The foliage is a little bit denser. There's the odd one that's, that's doing better. Uh, at the far end here, you can see that tree there in the corner is also doing better. So the corner's the place to be. I think there's less <laughs> macadamia nut roots there. Yeah. <laughs> right, that makes sense. But I've had the soil tested and so on for uh, all the trace minerals and as well soil biology, so bacterial fungal activity and all of that and based on all of those results we we work with it with supplements and foliar sprays we'll get there it's just being a little bit tedious i haven't done it for about three years now but going back we had what was called a um, soil biology assays done they look at bacterial activity in the soil fungal activity in the soil mycorrhizal fungal activity bacterial fungal ratios because bacterial fungal ratios are, are quite different if you're growing tomatoes or growing olive trees. And so for, for fruit trees, the ratio should be predominantly in fungal favor, whereas for vegetables and stuff, it's more in bacterial favor. So we look at all that, and then we, um, based on the reports, get supplements, calcium, magnesium, silica, iron, zinc. We add it into the soil just with top dressing. So, yeah, the... This, the grove goes up the slope towards where you came down the hill and then this way. Yeah, it's a lot. Where we just were, I didn't have enough long eyesight to realise how deep this part actually goes. <laughs> As I said, we've got 180 trees. We've never done well here so far. We've never had a, a great crop. So every year I keep hoping that next year is going to be our first really good crop. But so far it hasn't happened. It's been a, 
been a struggle. I take care of another grove uh, about 20 minutes from here in Opito Bay. And those trees are about 25 years old now. There's a very strong biannual tendency with the olive trees. One year, a very good crop. The next year, a very poor crop. Uh, for example, last year in the other grove I take care of, we got about 450 kilograms of olives, and the year before, about 2,600 kilograms. Holy. Yeah, six Holy. times as much. So it's like that. But we've never picked more than 500 kg here, and we really should be getting... 2,500 kg in a good year, 3,000 kg. It's it's kind of south-facing, and so it, they might not be getting as much sunlight as they would like. But then it's the winterless north too, right? <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> so not, they say. But it's not the rainless north. <laughs> We've been getting a lot of rain. Yeah. Uh, and all the trees, of course, are a Mediterranean climate tree, so they they can adjust to a degree to changing environmental circumstances but uh, we're very borderline up here I think for olive trees in northern New Zealand with the amount of rain and obviously the climate's changing and we're getting more rain so that's not particularly helpful but we'll see we'll keep boxing on and see what happens. So what promoted you to get into this in the first place? Yeah I often ask myself that question (laughs) 25 years later I used to go to a a country called Malta in the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. Um, I first visited there in 1989 when I was living in Hong Kong. Uh, I was was previously a a medical doctor and I was going to a conference in The Hague. There's the main islands called Malta and then there's a sister island that's called Gozo, G-O-Z-O, which is only about 9 by 14 K, very small with about 30,000 people. Anyways, I ended up buying a place there years ago. It was a 500-year-old collapsed farmhouse and started renovating it and then started going to Malta every year and um, discovered the olive trees. Many, many years ago, the, the Phoenicians brought olive trees to the island of Malta and Gozo, as they did around the whole of the Med, around 2500 BC, and started planting olive trees. In the early years... A.D., Malta was covered in olive trees. And then around 1000 A.D., the, another Arab group invaded Malta and the island of Gozo and destroyed a lot of the olive trees and all the olive presses to uh, control and ruin the economy. And so the number of olive trees was really decimated. And then the British discovered the island of Gozo and Malta, and they basically finished off what remaining olive trees there were to plant cotton. So there weren't many olive trees, but there were still some small groves and patches. I started reading about the olive tree and got totally taken with the history of it going back. to We first started using olives to feed ourselves probably about 7,000 B.C., over 9,000 years ago, and, and that's documented from carbon dating of, of seeds and pits in Palestine, Israel, and Jordan with carbon dating. So it's a, it's a fascinating tree. It's been around a long time. It's the very first tree that we actually harvested a fruit from. Is it really? It was the olive tree. Yep. The second was the fig tree, and the third was the pomegranate. So those were the first three fruit that uh, us humans started consuming. So it's got a, an incredibly long history. And then I, start, I just started reading more and more about it and really fell in love with the olive tree, unfortunately. And um, so it's become a, a passion and a hobby and a, a wonderful pursuit. It leads all over the place to people you meet and 
horticulture, agriculture, soil science, and all those fascinating parameters. So uh, that's how I got into it. I started planting olive trees on the island of Gozo. If you would have Googled the island of Gozo in the early 2000s, there was a green patch, one green patch on the <laughs> island, and that was our olive grove. I think we had the largest grove on the island with 100 trees. But uh, one thing led to another, and we, we had ended up leaving Gozo. And um, I had lived in New Zealand back in the 80s and then left New Zealand. I had lived in Russell from 82 to 86, and so this was the area of New Zealand I was familiar with. And so we moved back here in 2011 and planted olive trees again. So I'm guessing when yeah. you were looking through the real estate options, a bit of area to plant some trees was top of the list. Yeah, so we wanted to have a, you know, a minimum of five acres and, if possible, a source of water. So this place has six and a half acres, and we, we have a river uh, that emanates out of the Pukati Forest down at the bottom called the Kerry Kerry River, which goes into the Pacific Ocean at the Stone Store. And so we got a source of water. So it's a very small grove. It's only, a, as I said, 180 trees. It doesn't feel small, though, but maybe to you. When you're having to take care of it and prune the trees, it doesn't feel small. (laughs) uh, No, it's like your own little slice of Malta or or Gozo in (laughs) in New Zealand. Peter takes me into the shed to show the utensils he uses to harvest. It's like a large comb with vibrating prongs which work to rattle the olives off the branch. He says other growers might use what's known as a shaker that wraps around the base of the tree, shaking the mature fruit until it falls off. But Peter says he will never use it, as he isn't after mature fruit. As the olives mature on the trees, the the oil content goes up. So if you harvest it a little bit later, you get more oil. But the chemicals in olive oil that have significant health benefits are called polyphenols. Mm -hmm. And as the olives mature, the polyphenol levels go down. So if you wait, you get more oil, but less healthy oil. And what I'm trying to do is make the healthiest oil possible. (laughs) And so I harvest very early in an attempt to get higher polyphenol levels. Peter tells me there are well over 20 in the oil. However, the health benefits become significant once those polyphenol levels are over 250 milligrams a litre. Peter's oil is sitting between 400 and 500 milligrams. So, yeah, this is our press house, olive shed. It's a beautiful shed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this is where we we press the olives. To make olive oil with a high poly... One of the things you try to do is, as I mentioned, harvest as early as feasible. And then another thing is to press the olives as quickly as possible after they're off the trees. Because the nanosecond the olives are off the olive trees, they start oxidizing. And the polyphenols are, one of their properties are antioxidants. And so when oxidation starts, the polyphenols in the oil are activated to counter oxidation, so they get used. And so if you wait 24, 36 hours until you press them after harvesting them, already the polyphenol levels will be going down a little bit. This is our press, so I try to get them in here within three or four hours of them coming off the tree and and press them. Unfortunately, we can't get the polyphenol levels measured in New Zealand. 
There's not a lab in New Zealand that will measure polyphenol levels in olive oil, which is very frustrating. And so to get polyphenol levels accurately measured in the olive oil, you've got to send the oil off to Athens, Greece. Peter says after each harvest, he sends a sample of oil to the World Olive Centre for Health, located in Athens. There, the non-profit tests the oil and certifies the oil if a health claim is present. I'm actually the only person in New Zealand or Australia who has sent olive oil to Athens to get it properly analysed. No one else in Australia or New Zealand has. What's interesting on this certificate of analysis here is they say that, how do I say it, they've been related with anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, cardioprotective and neuroprotective activity. Well, you've got good eyesight. <laughs> yeah, so um, what you just read consumes me. So my background is medicine, and so uh, one of the things of great interest to me is the health benefits of olive oil, which is why I'm trying to produce olive oil with the polyphenol content possible, because of the health benefits. And uh, in the last 15 years... Uh, there's one olive oil polyphenol in particular that's called oleocanthal, O-L-E-O-C-A-N-T-H-A-L. And oleocanthal has significant anti-inflammatory activity. In the world of medicine, that's pretty exciting because lots of diseases are related with chronic inflammation in the body. Everyone would think of arthritis, for example, but even coronary artery diseases to a significant extent a chronic inflammatory disease of the coronary arteries. And so... Uh, we have excellent medicines to counter inflammation in the body, anti-inflammatory drugs, but there's not one of them that doesn't have side effects. Whereas the polyphenol oleocanthal has significant anti-inflammatory activity with basically no side effects. It's now reached the point where the pharmaceutical industry has have the ability to capsulize. They can extract oleocanthal from olive oil and capsulize it into capsules. Is the benefit of... of incorporating olive oil into your food, whether it be by dressing or cooking or, you know, are we still able to ingest the benefits yes, that way? Yes, absolutely. Or is it better to just take a teaspoon or a tablespoon of it every day? Well, for, for the health benefits, of course, to take a tablespoon or two tablespoons, <laughs> it depends what the polyphenol level is in the olive oil. So if you're taking olive oil that has a polyphenol levels of 1,200 milligrams per liter, two tablespoons a day will give you health benefits. You know, not much olive oil in New Zealand has a polyphenol level above 500 milligrams per litre. So. And with all the rain this year, are you fearing that it will be lower than the 425 last year? Well, it depends what's going to happen in the next, in the summer, in right. the next half year, in the summer. So with this so-called El Nino, we're supposed to be getting less rain this coming summer. So if that pans out, and our polyphenol levels should go back up again. But interestingly, oil, if the polyphenol levels are, are quite high, oleocanthal, the one with the anti-inflammatory activity, if the polyphenol level is quite high, it will burn the back of your throat as you swallow it. You want to try? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it has a, a peppery characteristic to it. As long as you don't ruin my radio voice. <laughs> try not to. Try this you're going to notice a peppery sensation in the back of your throat 30 seconds after swallowing it. Okay. I can feel something happening. Is it burning the back of your throat a it's, little bit? Yeah, yeah, it's really bizarre, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's so delayed, you think. Yeah, it's delayed. 
Oh, that's so weird. So that pepperiness is from the oleocanthal. Yeah, so some At least you know you've got it in there then. Yeah, hey, great. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to send it to Athens. you just <laughs> got to try it. <laughs> yeah. Peter Crowlinston there of Puketi Olive Grove. You can find their oil online or pop into their grove if you're in Kitty Kitty. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.